RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. I want to welcome into the program someone you may or may not have heard of, but chances are you've heard his music because we've been playing some of his songs on Reality Check Radio in the various shows since we've been operating, which has been just over a month. So we're, we're pretty new to it, but already we've been playing Brad Skidamus's music. And Brad is, well, I'll ask him how he would describe himself, what sort of category of music. He joins us from Texas to talk about, I guess, from a creative point of view and what he does, how he has been, I guess, trying to shift the needle, the dial just a little bit in the United States uh, through art, basically, in the last, uh, well, more than the last few years, but specifically in the last few years. He joins us from Texas. Brad, welcome to Reality Check Radio. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, so I mentioned, you know, that we've been playing tunes. Obviously, they are related to the last few years. Though you've been making music and and doing sort of multimedia quite a bit longer than that. So take us through what you were doing before, and then we'll move into what you've been doing more recently. Sure. So, um, yeah, the, the, the band name is Five Times August, and I started that pretty much right after high school as a teenager when I was 18. And, um, you know, I wanted to be just a singer-songwriter, you know, writing love songs, playing with my acoustic guitar. I did coffee shop shows for years and built that up to touring to colleges and universities. I had a lot of songs on different um, different TV shows and movies and commercials. And, um, you know, that was how I made my living. And, um, you know, never really rocked the boat very much with my music. It was middle of the road, you know, pretty pleasant. You know, I had, and so by the time we reached to 2020, I had two decades worth of fans, you know, right. accumulated from, from all the years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had, a, you know, all sorts of different projects I was involved in. And, uh, I was actually doing a children's music project right before the, all the pandemic stuff happened. So I was, I was writing the most pure, you know, pleasant songs that you could put out into the world about kindness and gratitude and, oh, um, those words. You know, yeah. <laughs> niceness. Right. And, um, and, and so, you know, 2020 hits and, um, you know, it kind of stopped everybody in, in our tracks and, and, uh, we all went along sort of with this two weeks to slow the spread thing. And I started That's writing right. these yeah. little uh parodies i was doing parodies of, out of my kitchen just to make people laugh you know and one of them went viral and, and had a million views so i just kept making them but after a little while it wasn't funny anymore <laughs> so no the joke um, was wearing off right the joke was yeah so two weeks becomes one month becomes six months and it's not funny so um, you know, that stopped me as an, as an artist and my output for probably about eight months. I didn't really release anything and, um, really didn't like the way, didn't like what I was seeing happening in the world. I didn't like the world that was being created for my kids. And I felt like I had to say something. Um, I had to step forward. I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked quite a few folks. We've been talking about this at what point, because I remember a moment with me thinking, mm -hmm wait on wait <laughs> wait on here and you know nothing was the same after that moment was there a moment like that for you well i mean it it all seemed 
silly from the beginning to me, you know, look, watching people starting to wear the masks and the social distancing stuff made no sense to me from the get go. But when the entire world is, is shutting down for two weeks, what, what option do you have, but to sort of just go along with it, but yeah, you go with it. Yeah, of course you just go with it. And, um, you know, I, I was suspicious for sure, but you know, then you then the videos start surfacing, and you have to ask yourself what you're seeing versus what is being told uh, on the TV. And so, you know, we're being told constantly that you know we've got to we. I mean, a lot of people forget this stuff. We were told to wipe down our groceries with you know uh, <laughs> antibacterial wipes and stuff like that. So I forgot about that one. That that's a crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we were asked to do all this stuff and we were, you know, uh, it was a gigantic fear campaign um, telling us to stay away from one another. But I'm sitting there sort of thinking if this thing's as dangerous as they say it is, uh, we should all know somebody who's probably dropped dead at this point. And then you start seeing, you know, media pundits off camera that think they're off camera, you know, putting a mask on just to walk to the podium or something. And then they take it off and, you know, all these silly things that just sort of added up over time. And I just, I didn't want to play the game and I didn't want to be taking my kids out and putting a mask on them. And, um, I, I just felt like I had to start speaking up on it. So, so by the time, early 2021 rolled around. I, I just felt like I needed to speak up. I didn't, I didn't want my kids 10 years down the road to be like, you know, why, why didn't you say anything, dad? Yeah, hey dad. Hey dad. Yeah. What'd you do back then? So, um, so I wrote a song called God help us all. And it sort of came out of prayer. Really. It was like, what, what should I say here? You know, what, what other option do we have than to sort of, you know, pray you know help us here because the world was going down the gutter and so i wrote a song and released that and i thought it would be sort of the one statement about the matter i just needed to vent as an artist and say something and it instantaneously just uh it, it triggered two things simultaneously it triggered one my current fan base that i had i upset a lot of people with this song and would get mean messages and fans writing that had been fans for years that really should have known who I am, what I'm about, where my heart is with my music, uh, who were just, you know, would send me a scathing email or a message saying, I'm not listening to your music anymore. I'm deleting it from my library. And that was, you know, a little scary, but at the same time, I was really, I was receiving messages from new people that found my music who were saying, thank you so much for saying this. Nobody is saying this. And a lot of my musical heroes weren't showing up to the battle. A lot of these 60 pro 60s protest artists um, that you would have expected to say something about at least the government tyranny that we were seeing, regardless of what you believed about um covid or the shots that were happening at least they could speak out about all of that but but not very many artists did so there was a space there where i just sort of placed my music i kind of enlisted it for these times to start speaking up so the more feedback that i got from people saying you know thank you for speaking up it, it encouraged me to continue writing more songs like that to let other people know that they weren't alone and over the course of a year and a half i ended up with an album and um the album's called silent war and um it's just a collection of all those singles put together 
And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was two things. Have I, I told my wife for for several months? I said I'm either burning down everything I've ever worked for, or I'm building something brand new. And um, this, you know, the silver lining is that somehow I built something new because there's more than you know. There's a lot of us out there. Yeah, um, interesting point you made about you know the '60s era artists, um, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, and I think the Crosby, Stills people, who mm-hmm. you know that was their thing, protest yeah. songs, and mm-hmm. like you say, forget the medical part of it, the tyranny part of it should have gone straight to the heart of of what they'd been doing for so long. That was really uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think they even bailed out of Spotify. Okay, so you're yeah. either burning it down or you're building it up what was the proportionality of of the of the fan base that you lost do you think was it a, was it a you know did you hemorrhage them or was it kind of not that many really i i i feel like i lost a lot because my my existing fan base either went dead quiet or they sent me those scathing emails you know right. and and so, it, you know, there was a lot of that back and forth where that really took me off guard, actually, because there was no conversation to be had. It was like, you know, I released a song, it pissed them off, and then they send you this mean email saying, I'm done with you. They don't even ask you, you know, why are you saying these things? No, no debate, what? right? No debate. No debate. They don't want to debate. And so that was a wake-up call to me. And in those sort of um, situations honestly pushed me forward and made me want to lean into it more because I, I thought, you know, if, if you've been following me all this time and you don't, you know, you're just going to instantaneously like that lump me in as a crazy conspiracy theorist, whatever you want to call me, then it doesn't matter. You know, I'll just continue to lean into it and say what I want to say. So you can sort of hear throughout the progression as I was releasing these songs, I get a little more aggressive with my lyrics and who I'm calling out. And, you know, by the time I wrote, I released a song called sad little man, which was about Anthony Fauci um, that, that took off and sort of put me into the uh, censorship zone pretty heavily. Uh, Can't criticize little Anthony. Mm -hmm. What do you make of, of, him as as a man as a character and, and and what was in your mind when you when you wrote that song he's so well known globally mm-hmm. and we all have our impressions of yeah. him uh, he seems like a very confident fellow mm-hmm. doesn't he well he's surrounded by he's in an echo chamber of yes men and his power was going unquestioned so i felt like it you know i it was a chance to sort of call him out and demean him a little bit. And I feel like that's sort of our job as an, as artists anyways, to, you know, that you have these, these um, people that are put up on pedestals and we have St. Anthony Fauci who has proclaimed himself the science on the news. If you question him, you're questioning the science. So, you know, I perceived him as a snake oil salesman, and that's how the video was executed. If you watch the video, the video is this caricature of Anthony Fauci uh, going from town to town as a snake oil salesman, um, sort of killing off the townspeople, and they catch up to him at the end. So, you know, to make that kind of statement at the height of Anthony Fauci's fame, um, you know, it... it um, 
it caused YouTube to take a second look at my channel. You know, it caused mm -hmm. Wikipedia to delete my page entirely. So then, you know, you rather than, you know, have a discussion about it, they they want to just remove you, you know. Yeah. So do you think it's a really effective uh, method to ridicule and to parody with with art? You think it's yeah, I do quite a powerful tool <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, well, because the, the entire campaign, I think, was, you know, it's based in fear and it was very serious subject matter. I mean, it still is very serious when you think about how dark these times are and what we all have just gone through. So to take that kind of evil for me, it, it, that's the most powerful thing you can do is laugh at them, I think. And I had such a great reaction to that that song um that um you know it gave people something to share because it it, it captured an emotion and frustration and it, it with this individual that i i think um people couldn't express in their own way and so they now had like a tool a video something that they could post on their facebook that sort of represented the ridiculousness of the entire situation that we're in with this godlike figure retreating like uh he's going to save everybody when in reality he's part of this uh really dark agenda you use the word the e-word the evil word that's a word you hear a bit associated with this and it's a it's a powerful word so obviously when you say it you're kind of meaning it you don't just throw it away as a comment mm -hmm. um does it amaze you that you know some of us think there is evil in this. It feels like it. But the vast or a vast majority, well, maybe it's not so vast now, don't even recognize it. Does that, is that a worry? It is a worry because we made it through three years and people still have no idea what has happened in the world. And you're still arguing with people who, you know, we had worldwide demonstrations with hundreds of thousands of people filling up streets in different countries. These were supposed to be super spreader events that we were told would eventually kill everybody, which obviously was a big lie. Um, but these, but a lot of people just stayed in their homes and only took the information that they saw on TV. And these rallies, these demonstrations were not on TV. So they don't even know that they happened. They don't know that people were shoved down in the street and, you know, were choked for not wearing a mask, arrested and taken out of establishments for not um, going along with the rules. They just, you know, the people who complied sat at home and obeyed like, like good little citizens. So they are a lot are they're they're far far behind i think a lot of people in this movement who are awake are so deep down into this rabbit hole of being awake in what has happened um that you know it's it's hard to believe there are people that are not only not standing outside of the that rabbit hole up on the edge but they're a hundred miles west of it you know they have no idea what has even happened in the world they only know what's on the tv so you know, I've worked really hard to to sort of use my platform as a way to engage those people and hopefully wake them up because I do have those old fans still lingering around watching what's happening to my career. That's why throughout this month, throughout April, I am doing a campaign uh, to help those who have been injured by the shot specifically. Um, there's an organization here in America called React 19 
You can visit their website at react19.org. And I'm I'm donating 100% of my digital album sales of the Silent War album to React 19, who is there to help individuals who took the shot, who have had bad reactions. They're, they've lost family members. They can't get the help they need. There's no government programs. The government has left them in, behind. The media mocks them, makes fun of them, says they're making it up. So my effort here is to, you know, donate the sales, but also take it into the culture war because when the album came out, it did really well on Apple and Amazon uh, music and it, it charted very high. It was number five on, on the Amazon charts next to Taylor Swift and Bruce <laughs> Springsteen. And I thought cool. my little indie album with zero budget, you know, is up there with these major players with uh you know, millions of dollars behind them. And I Bruce thought, Springsteen oh. sitting in his New Jersey home somewhere saying, who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that's the idea is for somebody to see this album climbing the charts and saying, what, what is this and why is it there? And then the answer is, well, this artist is raising money for the, the, the people who have been hurt by the COVID-19 shot. And, it, and to me, you know, hopefully that makes it more real to anybody who thinks that it, you know, it's making it, why would it, why would somebody waste their time doing that if it wasn't real? So you hope that you can connect with people on this, uh, on that level. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I still do get people that say, you know, you're wasting your time. Those stories are made up, but I've met those people. I know yeah. them. I've heard their stories. So you can't believe you lying eyes. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And the treatment of them, you mentioned that. And we have issues like that here. It seems to be everywhere, actually. A complete dismissal of them, gaslighting, no sympathy, no caring, no empathy, all those words. Again, it, that sort of E word comes into it. I find it hard to ex get your view on this. I find it hard to explain that people can be so heartless, mm -hmm. you know, considering everything. Has that surprised you? Well, these are the people that said, if we can save just one life, they were screaming that from the top of their lungs at the beginning of all this, put on your mask. If we can save just one life, go get vaccinated. If we can save just one life. And now that people are having a reaction, people are hurt, they're harmed, they're dying. Uh, they completely have closed off that, you know, in and of itself, which, which is shocking because, They've made these people have made themselves out to be heroes, but it's a one sided situation. They can't believe that um, the thing that they did that made them out to be a hero didn't work. So they would rather just ignore it. I mean, you have to realize that people on that side of the argument spent invested so much emotion into slandering friends and family people they've known for years call i was called dangerous you know <laughs> i was killing people so you have to think you know not only have you made yourself a hero in your own mind you you wore the mask you got your shots and uh you've saved so many lives but those other people are evil and you've you've removed them from your life over it. So the more information that comes out that shows all of that was bogus, they have to battle with that in their mind. That is the, the cognitive dissidence that they're having to face now. Yeah, it's a struggle, I think, for some, and it will be a struggle. Watch out and watch that space. I think it'd be a great uh, moment to play one of your tracks. You mentioned God Help Us before. Do you think we, we could give that a spin right now and then come back and talk a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. 
Lockdown, all towns, everybody slow down, give them everything you have. Mask up, backs up, get your body trashed up, better do what they ask. It's alright, okay, sorry but you can't pray, gotta keep the church doors closed. No superstitions, a saint politician will tell you what you need to know. Citizen fools and brand new rules make everyone a hero now. So keep your distance, no resistance, only do what you're allowed. Cash that check, go dance in the wreck, but just don't speak your mind. Get your facts from the paid contracts, cause never would they tell a lie, they don't know me. They don't own me. Everybody know your place Do it now, won't hurt Dig into your own dirt Virtue found its grave They don't know me They don't own me Oh God, help us all Look what Get to the streets and the neighborhoods Worship actors, food and drugs Brand yourself, give them your blood 
Don't believe your eyes, don't look around Fake news, rumors, okay boomer Ignorance will stain our future Will you make it through or burn it down? Oh God, oh God, help us all Oh God, help us all My guest at the moment on Reality Check Radio is indie artist Brad Skistimus, who's uh, with us from Texas, and the song was God Help Us All. Just remind us again of the, the context of that song. Yeah, so God Help Us All was the first song that I released um, where I really held a mirror up to what was happening in the world. You know, prior to that, my music career was, you know, love songs and um, very optimistic, you know, positive songs. Yeah. And uh, this was my first time really, you know, shining a light on what was important to me. And uh, it came through prayer and uh, just having to sort of vent um about the world that i was seeing having to say something as an artist and um i was i was grateful to have you know it was it was is an uneasy feeling to say those things i remember writing the line um uh what was the line um mask up vax up get your body trashed up and i knew that was going to upset you know, some of my current fans that I had had because it was a very direct line. You know, I knew I had fans that were masking up and vaxing up. And so that's how that song sort of came together. It's just, it's a long song. It's about five minutes. And I was just continuously just writing these verses as, and they sort of were delivered. I felt like they were delivered through me to just sort of say, this is the world. That's like, interesting. Look at it. Yeah. That's interesting. So it sort of chose you. I feel like that. That's sort of the approach that I took with a lot of these. Most every song on this album was I didn't sit down and write 12 songs all, you know, in a, in a short amount of time. These songs came to be one at a time over months that first song came out in january of 2021 the second song didn't come out till april um and i let them sort of find me and um i didn't rush anything it was i wasn't trying to capitalize on a moment so much as wait for a moment to speak to me and so you know, you sort of you sort of see that progress. I think that you know, if you listen to the album top to bottom, I I put the track listing in the order in which I released them. So you sort of hear the story unfold over a year and a half uh, through twelve songs, and um, yeah, that was my approach as far as being a songwriter. I just it was different, you know, than sitting down and saying, Oh, I'm going to write a song about this girl who broke my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do that any day of the week, but these songs were so timely and important. I, I let them sort of find me. Okay. So the regular fan base, very challenged with what you were doing a couple of years ago onwards up until now and beyond, I would imagine. And you get a flipping of, of audience and fans. You've also been involved in other media anyway, You've been, you know, in high-profile magazines, Billboard being one of them, um, Fox Business programs, the mainstream media, let's say. 
So I'm interested to hear what happened to those relationships. They must have been affected as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I had built a whole career of working with, you know, um, Grammy award winning producers and um, fantastic studio musicians, um, you know, press agencies and, you know, all sorts of people across the board. So I remember one, you know, conversation online where that it, it dawned on a producer friend of mine where my where my heart was on the matter that would have been a moment yeah and so you know shortly after i realized he had unfriended me on facebook you know it was like he realized oh that's where brad stands on things and then he bailed and that happened you know quite a bit you know i had to sort of resign to the fact that i knew and it didn't i didn't think about it at first, but it didn't matter, I guess, but I had to resign to the fact that I was going to lose a lot of those, um, a lot of those relationships. I was going to just be by myself. I sort of had to divorce myself from the music industry altogether because there's so much agenda. Um, and you know, it's very much a one-sided industry for the most part. So even if you, you know, my approach prior to 2020 was just, you know, even if you disagreed with somebody, you just didn't let it bother you or, or you just kept quiet and cause you never knew who you would end up working with and all that yeah, b- so, business is business, right? So business is business. Exactly. And, um, none of that mattered to me anymore. And, and it's been amazing to see the flip on that end because I've made a whole new group of, uh, industry friends who have spoken out who agree with what i'm doing who and we all support one another and and they're tremendously talented people we've all sort of gone through the same thing together where um you know we had a certain fan base and a trajectory of our career and it was halted we were slandered um and we sort of found one another so i think that on on the plus side there's a silver lining of um a new path that's been carved a new opportunity in the industry where there's this new breed of artists coming back around that has substance and meaning and, and, uh, and, uh, integrity. It seems that the creative industries were a big part of this. I'm thinking of Hollywood, obviously. And, uh, you know, all the people working it had to, they were mandated, weren't they? Um, to work there and a lot of promotion, publicity, propaganda, if you want to call it, was generated um, by that um, that sector and the people in it. And there's music as well. You know, there were um, artists who wouldn't let people who were vaccinated into their concerts and things like that. Um, how do you explain the industry's role in that? I, I mean, they'll never do anything that they think is bad for business, I would imagine. And, and the powerful sector, uh, especially in the US, and I guess they don't want to get offside with the political establishment. Mm-hmm. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think it's all about money. You know, I think okay. it's that's all it is. It's it's just you know who's funding them. I mean, we just had a campaign here um, in the states. I don't know if it made its way over there, but it, this was a Pfizer campaign called the No Plan Go campaign, and they. I still, haven't seen that here. No. Okay. Well, they're still paying celebrities to make uh, propaganda commercials for Pfizer, and. Um, you know, these are artists like Pink and John Legend, uh, uh, Questlove. He's a drummer for a band called The Roots. And, um, 
you know, these are pretty big celebrities collecting a check on the backs of the individuals who have been injured by all of this propaganda. And that was one of the driving factors that pushed me into this campaign I'm doing. I thought I'm going to do the opposite of that because, you know, I, I just think it's disgusting that we've made it all the way here in 2023 and there's still entertainers still collecting a check with from big pharma, but you know, that's, they're all owned, you know, they're, they all have a boss. That's one thing that I love about being an independent artist. That's one thing that, that put me in this position was I'm not tied to anybody. I'm, I'm an indie artist with, you know, I don't have the manager and I don't have the PR guy. I don't have a label telling me what to do. A lot of these, you know, Hollywood types are, are, you know, tied to contracts and, if they're not, they still don't want to lose a gig. I think that's the main difference is that they put their career ahead of doing what was right. And um, even if they disagreed with it, they just kept their mouth shut. And I've heard a lot of stories from friends who say, you know, yeah, they pushed getting uh, the vaccine, but they didn't actually get it. And they just got a fake, you know, vax card. So, um, so they could continue doing their shows or whatever, you know, but, um, and it's, it's shameful. And so what we have to be careful of is, is what you're going to see. What I predict happening is there, there will be a, a cultural shift where a lot of people start waking up really fast and you're going to see Hollywood jump on that train, uh, so mm -hmm. quickly after yeah. being dead quiet for the last three years. And they'll say, Oh yeah, it was terrible. What happened? And, you know, that's going to be a really revealing moment because if you were, if you really cared, you would have spoke up by now. Yeah, but there'll be so much content, historical content that would totally refute that I mean, and make it a lie. I mean, how are they going to yeah. spin that one, do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the scary thing is that people are, you know, so quick to forget. And we have a, we're right at this cusp, I think, right now where people want to move on. People want to forget what just happened, especially the people that just invested so much emotion into feeling like they saved the world through masks and vaccines and and uh, here in the States now, the emergency authorization has ended for the shots and everything. The COVID emergency is over, right? So they feel like they've won. It's time to move on. But really, we have to remember who said what, who did what, who pushed it, and uh, hold them accountable. So when it comes around that all of this um, damage has been done and it's irrefutable we know the damage has been done we knew it was happening as it was happening but when it becomes it gets to a point where it's irrefutable for the public um that's going to be another revealing moment because they're either going to have to accept it and they're going to they're and they're going to be angry about it or they're going to forgive it real quick and we're going to see just how programmed people are to just forgive and forget for the sake of of moving on very good point. I think anger is is going to be there. It's just a question of the the scale and, and, and intensity. Just following up on what you said about that, um, you know, people wanting to move on. And there's two ways of looking at this. Uh, get your feelings on this. Maybe it is good to move on for most people because you know it's a not a nice time. You don't want to remember too much of it, and you want to look ahead to brighter times. But then there's also the argument that you can't let something like that move on until it's been, you know, mm -hmm. the sunlight has been properly shined onto it mm -hmm. what, what do yeah. you think is the way to go well we can't 
move on because if we if we move on and we let it go it's going to happen again they now know what they can get away with that's the problem is that they know now that you will comply and if we don't hold them accountable if we don't stop and say what just happened who did what you know, have trials in every country for every person that was involved in pushing this. Um, it's just going to happen again. So you have to keep talking about it. You're more than welcome to go and live your life. You should have been living your life the whole time. I never sacrificed a hug or a, or a social gathering, and I'll never regret it. You know, I survived a winter of severe illness and death, as quoted by Joe Biden, our president over here. We were supposed to all die a few winters ago. But, you know, I lived my life and, and you do do that. You know, I've got three kids to raise. I'm not going to wallow in the last three years, but I'm going to keep talking about it until we get answers and, be, and until somebody is held accountable, because I think that. Once you get one domino to fall, then the rest will fall and uh, or hopefully fall. But it's a very powerful um, fortress that we have in front of us. And um, that's the task at hand is that you're ignored, you're slandered, you're removed, censored. Um, they have every every tool at their disposal to make sure they won't be held accountable. That's why you have to keep talking about it. Yeah. Didn't Pfizer sponsor... The Grammys? Am I, am I sure right? sure did, yeah. Uh, that was a bizarre show too, by the way. I saw highlights of that and that looked pretty oh, yeah. weird. What do you think was going on there? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. You know, I can tell you that a few years ago, I, I became a Grammy voting member. And I, if you had told me when I was younger that, that I would one day be a part of the Grammys, I would have thought, oh, that's fantastic. That's so cool. But by the time I got my little membership card in the mail, all this crap was going on. And the the, the current state of the entertain, entertainment industry had put me off so much I didn't even care. And I didn't even want to be a part of it. I couldn't have attended the, the, the Grammys last year because the whole thing was just uh, – satanic and gross and to be sponsored by Pfizer on top of that. I mean, the entire, and that's the entire entertainment industry as a whole. It's just sponsored by big pharma. I went down to Austin a few weeks ago for South by Southwest major music conference that we have here. And um, the health pavilion was sponsored by Moderna. Not only that, the CIA had a booth set up and I'm sitting there thinking this really? is the state of rock and roll. Yeah, the, this is rock and roll. There wasn't even anything music related in the conference center that they had all the booths set up in. It was the CIA and Moderna and a bunch of these other high tech things. But, you know, it just showed you the state of everything. There's no anti-establishment anymore. It's it's just, you know, bootlicking. How weird is that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I can't get into your country yet. I'm not allowed to, to and come you in. Should, I've been there 20 they, times already. You know, I'm, I'm no threat, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm like Novak. Well, I'm nowhere like Novak Djokovic. No, <laughs> no way. Novaks. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's crazy thinking that you know something you got very used to doing is basically you know got the door locked tight right in front of you, and that's it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. I went to Austria in December for a tour, and. 
I can leave the States and come back. No questions asked. But if you want to come to the States, um, you know, there's, you've got to have your papers with you. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing we have ended the emergency of the whole thing. You know, COVID's no longer a threat. It's been announced by our president Biden that, you know, it's over. Right. So why do you need to show your papers for the vax anymore? You know, you shouldn't have to, it should be over. And on top of that, every other country in the world should shut it down at the same time. It can't, you know, if this thing was such a threat, every country in the world would have followed the exact same regulations at the exact same time. And when one country shut down, the other country would shut down. We wouldn't have had all these little pockets of you can do this here and you can't do that. That happened on a, a smaller uh, scale here in the States from one state to the other, from one city to the other. So it shows you how ridiculous the whole thing is. It's complete lies. Yeah, it's interesting. Operating in lockstep all that time, and then for that, they can't do any lockstep. It seems weird. Uh, <clears throat> it's pretty obvious. Okay, so looking ahead, you've got um, kind of a new fan base, a new direction in your music. Will you go back to the to the ballads and the regular stuff? Can you see a time, or are you forever kind of change course in music now and, and art? Well, I, th I think something's changed in me, but the thing is, uh, you know, those early songs were written from a real place anyway. I've never sat down to write a song just to write a song because, you know, I was trying to write a hit or something. They came from those relationship songs came from relationships. And then, you know, I, I became a dad and then I did a, a kid's music project, like I said. So I, it's always come from a real place. So now as a concerned parent, as a concerned citizen, that's where my heart is. I'm paying attention to what's happening in the world. So naturally, that's what I want to write about. I think that the awakening was just, you know, I had to go through a, a period there um, where I had to sort of let go of trying to make everything all roses and rainbows about the world where I had to really call it out like it is and, and be okay with that and be okay with whoever didn't like you know, what I was saying, which I've gotten very used to. And it's actually fun at this point to, to just be called the names and put in, put as a crazy, uh, you know, labeled as a crazy uh, conspiracy theorist and stuff. Gosh, don't you hate that term? I'm so over that damn term. Yeah. But if it I doesn't it mean again, anything. It means absolutely nothing to me. And, and to me, it takes more effort on the conspiratorial uh, part to deny what has happened over the last three years. Um, so those people over there are actually the ones that are what they're calling me, you know? Mm. And it's interesting also, I mentioned the mainstream media uh, activities that, uh, that, you know, you've been involved with over the years. And uh, I noticed you've sort of found a new kind of media to be on. I think you're on um, with uh, Dell Bigtree, uh, The High Wire and other things. There seems to be, is it a parallel kind of ecosystem of media that's developing now um and do you think it has the potential to become eventually the dominant one here's a question yeah uh, yeah i do i do think that i think everybody who is in this movement right now i mean dell big trees the high wire was around long before covid was a was a thing yeah he was he's been in the vaccine conversation for quite a while and uh, the same with children's health defense 
um, who now has their own programming. They have CHD TV. And so you're seeing these little things sort of pop up. Um, uh, the high wire is growing exponentially. They've grown so much over the last uh, several years. I mean, they're getting more viewership than the news is. Yeah, and, that's incredible. Um, yeah, that shows it's you. incredible. Yeah. And so you're seeing it happen in the media. You're seeing it happen in the arts. You're seeing it happen politically where real people are standing up saying real things. You know, I think there's such a thirst for truth that those are the things that are going to we're all at sort of the forefront i think of of the the revolution so to speak that the the big cultural shift that's happening it, old hollywood is going to die off because everybody's sick of it and all that's going to be left standing are real people with a real message and we'll get back to that i think well said and you know one day your kids will say hey dad good on you <laughs> <laughs> and that'll That's be music. That'll be music. There'll be a song in that. The um, artist is Brad Skistimus. The album is five times August. You've already heard. Uh, we've played a track already. It's been really interesting chatting to you. I think our listeners have, you know, really had something interesting to listen to. And I want to go out on another track. So maybe you seems you're the you're the man maybe you could suggest one that we we could play out the end of this um this chat sure let's let's go out with a song called i will not be leaving quietly it's sort of a a good strong uh song to sort of bring to the rallies or to speak up it's a good good song to end on it and um and the progression of the tunes you made how close to most recent is that because we can judge uh, how angry you were getting <laughs> if you're going on your previous comments. well that that was the fourth song in this series it's actually pretty early on but it was sort of my commitment to you know i'm i'm in this fight now i'm not leaving you know you can try to the whole point of the thing is you can you can hate me, you can shame me and blame me, but I'm not leaving without saying what I want to say. And so that's sort of the message of the song. And, and that was uh, pretty early on. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a good, good, strong song, I think, that, that I think will resonate with, with most people and how they feel. Indiatus Brad Skistimus, thanks for being on our radio program. All the best uh, to you for the future. Thank you so much. And label and troll me You can put
Last of me, but I will not 